welcome. Hi, thanks for coming. This is the Anxious in Austin podcast. I am Dr. Marianne Stout. Dr. Thomas Smithyman. Here at the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. On a very hot and sunny day in Austin, Texas. Yes. Um, yeah, and so we were trying to think, how do we, how do we compete after having... Dr. Ryan Douglas on our show. <laughs> yeah. What do we do next? Where do we go? Yeah. And I think I'm still on my self-compassion kick, hence how this one came about today. We're going to talk about your relationship to anxiety and OCD or with anxiety yeah, and OCD. I, I find this really interesting and super, super useful. Yeah, I think it just it comes up all the time, and mm. this is... You had asked me earlier if I'd done a lot of research about this because yeah. I tend to be. She's known. She's known I for get, researching the podcast. About podcasting, topics. and so <laughs> I like to have a lot of like research articles. You know, we belt. should probably say more reasonably, I'm known for not doing much research. <laughs> on, I mean, unless it's a specific, like we research the probiotics or whatever. But yes. Yeah. I think I just get like my imposter syndrome comes out mm-hmm. before a podcast. And so I have to do a lot of, like, research on it. But I had a really hard time doing research on this for, like, what to put in. Uh Uh-huh. Like, what search terms you Yes. Okay. Because when I would do, like, relationship to anxiety, you would come up with anxiety about your relationships. Yeah, relationship anxiety, Relationship anxiety. Or same with, like, relationship OCD. That's not what we're talking about. I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, like, your romantic relationships and how they make you anxious. Like, that's, I mean... Though that is an interesting topic. That is a very interesting topic. That's not what 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 this is about. (laughs) Should probably make our title be clear about that. Yes. (laughs) This is not about like your romantic relationship and your anxiety there. This is the relationship you have with anxiety itself. How you feel about your anxiety, your OCD, and yeah. yeah. I and and I think I don't oversell this, but I think that this is one of the really fundamental shifts that you're trying to make in, in treatment in therapy. Sure. Is to change the relationship you have oh, with 100%. anxiety. I think this is one of the biggest things that happens. makes the biggest impact. So, yeah, it's interesting you say that because whenever I do an intake mm-hmm. appointment with somebody and we're talking then about, like, goals and what therapy looks like, I always say, like, the ultimate goal of what we are working toward is shifting your relationship with anxiety, right? Huh. From avoidance to approach. Like that is what we are ultimately working toward. They and how, that. how is that? I'm curious to know how that's received. Because I, I just think, you know... Well, I don't start there. By the way, I end there. you come here looking for this, but actually, we're trying to just change your relationship with it. I After I, like, present yeah. the whole, like, CBT model of how oh. avoidance actually reinforces anxiety and makes... Yeah. And then we try to avoid having anxiety, the bigger it gets, the more yeah. it yeah. gets reinforced... And then I talk, you know, then we talk about like what it looks like to do changing your cognition, changing how you think about it, changing your behaviors, changing avoidance, and then I finish with (laughs) or trying to change your relationship. That's not my opener. I see. People would never schedule appointments with me if that's why I opened this. But yeah, no, I think that's right. And even when we talk about like that, it's not the content; it's it's the process. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your anxiety is focusing on. If it's mm-hmm. a roach phobia or relationship OCD, right? Like yeah. we are saying, we are working towards that that process of changing your relationship yeah. with anxiety, from avoiding it, running from it, doing mm-hmm. what it tells you to do, to tolerating it, leaning into it, taking steps towards it, 
mm-hmm. testing it out, poking back, all that totally. good stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the reason why when we were trying to talk about what topic we were going to do for this specific podcast, yeah. the reason why this has been coming up more for me, why it's kind of gotten my attention is, lo and behold, is a continuation of this self-compassion mm-hmm. stuff I'm liking so much. Um, think, a, oh, we often, and I think just in the CBT anxiety community, talk about anxiety as like a bully that you are fighting. Yeah. Right? Like this big bad thing. We're trying to like externalize anxiety so it's not you, it's this thing. Totally. And it's this like thing you're up against or thing you're fighting. Uh Uh-huh. And thinking about it from like a more self-compassionate, I'd listen Mm -hmm. to this like podcast or meditation or something that had said, okay, now thinking about, it was more about like pain, but thinking about your pain you can think of it as like this thing you're fighting. Yeah. You also, if that doesn't work for you, you can think about it as this thing, a more self-compassionate, more compassionate approach of like, this is part of you. This is part of your brain. Mm-hmm. It is doing this for a reason. It thinks it's trying to keep you safe. Um, it's just kind of like a kid that's kind of overreacting to something. Yeah. So how can you maybe like talk to it? And I was, that really resonated with me and this idea mm-hmm. of, like, self-compassion that, hey, yes, we are constantly talking about, like, externalizing anxiety, but at the end of the day, it is your brain. It is part of you. And so what does that do if we're always thinking of it as, like, this bully that you're battling as opposed to, hey, you know, we are all one. <laughs> we're all yeah. working toward the same thing of, like, keeping me safe and having a good life. And so thanks, anxiety, for mm-hmm. working so hard to try to take care of me. But, like, I got this. I can handle this. Let me show you, you know, I yeah. in that way. Yeah, okay. And that's I, what got me into this. It, that, that's interesting, right? Because you're coming in to the, just this idea of this topic through self-compassion, um, but it's relating to all these other things. Like, in the... I feel like in order to understand that story, there's, like, we have to understand each of the five pieces that were you were referencing in that story sorry no it's, it's, it's fine I mean, that's, like... that's, that's telling us that's telling us how, how this came up right <laughs> so because it was you'd already worked through all these previous pieces and then this one was an extra shift at the end that makes more sense mm-hmm. um, I feel like we should start with the externalizing oh goodness okay right the, like, you're, this is good to have like another person mm-hmm. talk to you about this and see like where we actually could begin I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know know us. We'll start wherever we start and we'll go wherever we go. But it does occur to me, I'm like... Yes, not everybody's going to understand the idea. Yeah, you you said, as a premise, externalizing. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's a... um, Like, that's the first, like, big shift to me. Mm -hmm. So someone will come in and, like, we'll talk about the anxiety they're experiencing and... They come in as my, it's my anxiety. And I think this, mm. like, I think this will happen. And then I think that this is likely. And I think that this is going to be the next, what's going to go wrong. And I think these will be the consequences. And then other times I think this other thing. And then I think this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes me feel this way. Yeah, and I feel mm-hmm. this thing. And there's, um, like, I think of that as this, 
this um, perspective of I am my anxiety. Yeah, I believe what anxiety says is true. Yeah, and it's coming from, from me as a self. I'm coming up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to almost. Yeah, I'm choosing. This is what I believe. This is what I think. Because um, this is like, it's going to be a really big change when we start saying, no, you're not thinking that stuff. Mm-hmm. Your anxious brain is Your anxious brain is. Anxiety is thinking that. Anxiety is telling you these things. Anxiety is giving you these motivations in the moment. Anxiety is giving you these physical sensations. So this is to me is, is a really it's a really big fundamental shift and a little hard to grasp at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we 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 shift to saying well, and I'll actually stop people pretty regularly and I'll say, so you experience that thought, you experience an anxious thought, and I'll start to ask those questions of like what. When you're in that situation, what does anxiety what say is, to you? Yeah, I, yeah. What is anxiety telling you? Yeah. What is it? What is it doing? What is it saying? And that is like we're purposely, we're purposely externalizing. Mm-hmm. We're purposely like taking instead of saying I am the anxiety, we're deliberately making the anxiety Separate. another entity mm-hmm. that you are the person you are experiencing that other entity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the whole point right of that like we talk about the fundamental piece of like labeling thoughts mm-hmm. and identifying thoughts it's to do that it's to like separate it give you some distance and separation little, yeah totally by, by by yeah putting the putting the thought into words even you start to get a little distance from it you mm-hmm. start to externalize it a little bit as opposed to I, this is me this is my thought mm-hmm. it is this is anxiety this is a thought totally um yeah and uh, yeah, you, you can label the thought or you can experience the thought or see it see it as an external entity, you know, in a metaphorical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I even think of it as, like, I'm always, like, pointing to my amygdala when same, I'm talking same, to clients same. about I, this I, to, like, I, even, yeah. like, have it be like, no, it's not all of you, it's this part it's of your one brain little, right little here. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you often think something else. Mm-hmm. You think this and your anxiety thinks that. Mm-hmm. And you're aware of, you know, and it explains that question of how come in this situation I think this, but later on I think that made no sense. Why was I saying that? Totally. Because there might be because like of different parts of your brain different that parts are of you, you know? speaking at different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's a helpful piece too, is we're not just like being super metaphorical. What we're referring to is activation in different parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. And it's really activation of different brain systems different emotional regulation systems. So we're saying, hey, this system has its own set of thoughts and motivations and beliefs, and it hits you with those things and you experience them. Experience those thoughts, feelings, motivations. Um, And that you are not necessarily choosing to have those experiences in the moment. Yeah. It's coming at you from this other system. Sure. I mean, I always use, like, the car accident example, but I had a friend say this morning there was a fire. I'm like, oh, that's a good one, too. It's not like uh-huh. if there's a fire, you're going to sit there and think, huh, you know, there's a fire right now. What should I do? Or this is feeling kind of warm. Or maybe you're going to, like, your body is going to move, <laughs> whether yeah. you want to or not. Like, you're going to do something. You're going to get yeah. out of there. You're going to escape. Yep, that's a threat. Mm-hmm. A threat safety system. Yes, your keeps it to self protect you. Yeah, fight or so it hits you with a bunch of thoughts, and you can't see this, but I, 
I actually, <laughs> I use my hand like a little puppet and I put it at the side of my head where my amygdala is and I have it like, it's saying this thing and I make a little puppet motion. Because again, it's helping to externalize it a little more. So, we're like, oh, this other entity inside me is saying these things for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then that brings us to what you, you were just saying. If we externalize and say, well, that I there is there is another that my anxiety is this entity. Then we start to ask, well, why is it there, and why is it motivated to say the things that it does and to and give you the feelings that it does? Sure. Yeah, like if this isn't helpful, I think that's also yeah where so much is like the again your relationship with the anxiety like mm-hmm. where the shame and peace comes in is like yeah. well this isn't logical or this isn't reasonable why am I mm, thinking this totally. or feeling this why am I experiencing this and so yeah that kind of gets to what you're talking about like the system that has been there for 100,000 years to keep you alive and your species going of like we need to make sure you're not sitting around in the fire when there's a fire and make sure you're yeah doing something yeah. So all those people who sit there and take too long to figure out whether they should sit in the fire did not pass didn't reproduce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so there's there's a that system is yeah we've, we've externalized it we've identified what it sounds like and who it is but yeah now we're looking at what is the motivation why is it doing what it's doing mm-hmm. and it's yeah that particular system the anxiety system is self protection. And there's a threat right and, and this is I think that question of you know this is illogical why am I thinking this that is that is a relationship question right mm-hmm. that is a I am this self being rational and this other entity that I'm in a relationship with really is saying things that I perceive as being not realistic in the situation mm-hmm. so that's a relationship yeah yeah. Sure. Yeah, and we'll we'll obviously come back to more of that relationship piece, but but knowing, you know, you can certainly improve a relationship if you understand where the other entity yeah, is coming from. That empathy piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's self protection. So if if you were getting anxious at times that do not seem helpful or realistic, or the threat system's kicking in to protect you from things you don't think you need protection from, it's because that that entity your anxiety it perceives danger mm-hmm. and it thinks you're in trouble and it's kicking in its defense system to protect you yeah and a lot of people say like oh it doesn't make any sense why would I be anxious yeah. on an airplane or why would I be anxious you know in a social situation or why would I be anxious in this thing or, that or it's really inconvenient for me yeah that makes yeah. no that that's not helpful Right, like I need to be able to get a job. How come I get so anxious in an interview or what have you? Um, yeah. And so, but like, right, like your brain, our brains are kind of set up that certain things they just don't like, and it could be right childhood pieces. Blow something shots, was yeah. super scary, trauma totally. situation. I almost drowned, and now water is difficult, or what have you. Could, you know, could, could be just just your nervous systems set. And a more sensitive threshold. Yeah. Yes. It could be that your yeah, your your brain is saying there is a lot of threat out there. The world is kind of a dangerous place. Yeah. And I need to keep you on your toes to make sure that 
you stay alive. Yeah. And so, right, like, it's trying to keep you safe. Interesting, right? Yeah. Trying to keep you safe. I think of this with OCD. We've talked about this a bit, I think, for OCD, too. Okay. Right? Because that's one where people are like, this makes no sense. Why do I think this thought that is, like, the most bizarre yeah. thing in the and world? I know it's not true. I know it's not true, and I don't want to tell anybody even that I had this thought because yeah. it's so But it still makes illogical. me feel terrible. But I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't stop it. Sure. And it doesn't, and it makes you feel terrible. So I think that piece of, like, your brain, this part of your brain is, you know, maybe turned up a little high and thinking that there is this threat, it's trying to keep you safe. Yeah, it, it has... Good intention. Good intention. <laughs> so good motivations, mm-hmm. and it is. It's probably very helpful in other situations. A lot of anxious people seem to be pretty good under, like actual yes. emotion seasons. Oh my gosh! Yes. Stressful situations. Mm-hmm. I often hear that from people. Yes. Like I was, I'm great was the able to step in and mm-hmm. take care of things. It is trying to do a really good job for you. It's trying to help you out. It's trying to keep you mm-hmm. safe. But in certain situations, it's um. It's overly sensitive, or it's too sensitive to a particular stimulus. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, and I, with the OCD piece, like it picks things that you care about. So it's oh, telling see. you this mm. is important. Like, yeah. you can't have any threat come to this thing because this is really important. And it does a messed up way of doing it. You know, it says like. Here's this horrible image or idea. Don't let that happen. <laughs> and totally. it's like, why would I think that? I yeah. don't want that to happen. But it's to kind of tell you, like, hey, that is a potential threat or danger. Like, make sure that doesn't happen, even if it's this, like, bizarre image or idea. And so, again, it's trying to tell you, like, you care about this. This yeah. is important to you. Yeah, so it, it is it's trying to... Yeah, keep it safe. It's trying to help. The other thing, too, is, you know, think about is this... Anxiety is a pretty blunt instrument. It's a pretty similar, I mean, it's the basic same system for all threats. So, you know, having a, like you're about to make a speech and overwhelms you with like, makes you blush and shake and all this kind of stutter and can't think of words. Yeah, it's not real helpful. Blunt instrument. That is because it's pumping you full of all this stuff to make you run and fight really, really well. Mm-hmm. Get away from threats, and instead your threat is a speech or a test. Yes. Or, like, you Which know... Our brains are not well set Yeah, asking someone on a date or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Blunt instrument, not useful, like, but that's what we got. Mm-hmm. But the system itself, externalized, this system has good intentions. Yeah. It's trying to help you. Totally. Um, can you do you want to talk a little bit about the um, that bully metaphor that you brought in because that's that's a certain yeah. style of looking at the relationship. Well, I just think in a lot of the training for this work, right? You are trying to get people to do things that go against that system that are scary. Yeah. Right, like to do things they might not really want to do. Maybe logically they think like, yeah, of course I should be able to do that, but like in the moment. In a moment, the moment, the terrifying. system kicks in and says, yeah. don't, 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 do don't, 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 So you will die or something terrible will happen. Yeah, the, yeah. I think the bully metaphor then you get a lot is basically the idea that like anxiety is like a bully. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more that you give the bully your lunch money, it says mm-hmm. like, I'm going to punch you if you don't give me your lunch money. So you give him 
your lunch money so that he won't punch you, but then the bully's going to keep coming back for you because it's getting reinforced through your lunch money that it knows you are going to give it what it wants. So in the short term, you might avoid the punch. But in the long term, it's going to keep coming back for you and bothering you and demanding and more. And it gets bigger. I need more money. And stronger I need more money. Each time. It eats your lunch and gets bigger. Mm-hmm. So the idea being, if you can start reducing how much money you give it or stop giving it money, yeah. or eventually what we're working towards is like, bring it on, bully, punch me. You can do it. Yeah. I, I can handle it. So, yeah, so, so that's it. Like, I think that, um, t- I mean, it's such a, it's an interesting relationship because. It actually is talking about power. Mm-hmm. So it's actually um, that metaphor. Since you, you are, if you come in with that, you are actually being controlled by the anxiety or controlled by the OCD, which means you're being dominated. You are giving up things that you care about. Sure, you are Things values. you want to do. Mm-hmm. You give up all this stuff and give in in order to not get... Punched. Punched, yeah, in order, like you're giving in to threats and give things that you want. Like, so this metaphor, like, makes a ton of sense in this. Yes. In, the, in this situation. And it really is like a, um, it's a dominant submission relationship. Yes. So people come in being, like, they are in, in the submissive position and to they're being anxiety. dominated by this other part of the brain that is threatening them with terrible things, hitting them with a whole bunch of, like, discomfort and saying, you better do what I want or else. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the metaphor. Or catastrophe will happen. Yeah. Yes. And, and it, it, it's a framework, it's an understanding of the relationship that makes a lot of sense. Sure. Because, yeah, what it's trying to do is explain why you were doing what you're doing. Sure. Why you're giving in, like, right? Yeah. Like, why you are making these choices that you in a calm state wouldn't normally make. Totally. Yeah, and also why... Um, it explains why what you're doing isn't working. Like, sure. you're trying to do all this stuff, all these and it things, doesn't help. And it hasn't gone away. It just yeah, is getting it seems worse. Like, it works short-term, and it gets worse long-term. Mm-hmm. Really, really useful framework, because we look at, like, an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, wait, I give in, and then this is this is what happens. And the more I give, the more this bully does this, you know, because bullying is an abusive relationship. Yes. Um, and so having this framework is super, super helpful because it allows you to, again, externalize. You know, you can see, oh, that's not me, that's the anxiety or the OCD. And I can, I have this framework to understand what my relationship is like and... How the behaviors I'm doing yeah, are actually making this worse. Yeah, reinforcing this. And then it, it gives you an understanding, I think, that can make you, it gives you courage, basically. Yeah. Gives you courage stand to start up to, a to bully. stand up to the bully, stand up to the heckler, mm-hmm. and start to change that relationship dynamic, so that if you're being courageous, you're no longer submissive. Mm-hmm. And the less submissive you are, the less dominant the anxiety and the OCD can be. Well, we talk about this a lot with exposure, right? That when mm-hmm. you when you do exposure, you feel this like pride, pride piece, yes. and it is. It's like standing up to the bully, right? Yeah. Like it, I didn't except like it this. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Except it works in real life. Yes, and. And that piece of, like, how terrible it feels when you give in to mm-hmm. the anxiety, right? When you're yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah. I didn't, whatever, regret. go to the party, or I did engage yeah. my compulsions, or whatever it might be. And, and you get that, like, yeah, that, it's that, that feeling, submissive rage, mm-hmm, they call like, it, like that. Yes. I gave in, but I didn't want to, and I'm upset, humiliated, mad. Yes. Yeah. I didn't get punched, but I feel terrible. Yeah, I feel terrible mm-hmm. myself. And so, yeah, this framework allows you to see it, and then you... You 
yeah, you have courage. You push the courage, saying, "No, I'm, I'm not going to." Yes. You get that courage, and you stand up and tolerate it. And it's nice because you got a coach with you, which is us, which tells you it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's like, be the bully. You that, can do it that, with a cheerleader. That, you know, um, like, like in real life, right? You stand up to the bully and you get punched. Mm-hmm. And the research shows this. You stuff. are going to get punched. You yeah. are going to feel uncomfortable. It's, yeah. You're going to be The anxious. good news with anxiety is it's going to hit you with discomfort. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a, it's, it threatens. And like this is why like my, my languaging for this, I always use heckler. Than bully? More than bully. Because the punch is not actually that bad. Yeah, because the heckler, it's, it's all... Emotion and It's words. Thoughts. Yeah, like if, if, you, if you try to actually challenge they're a heckler... The other is that they're, they're, they're verbal. They're, they're annoying. They're, they're vo- they don't actually do... There's no they, physical punch what, to what it. What they say doesn't actually come true. It's mm-hmm. more like d- a distraction and getting you away from it. I think because it's a softer, it's a softer version, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but yeah, the... The, Although the, I will say, I think works. plenty of people would prefer to get punched than to have the like emotional discomfort. Yeah. Right. Like that feels yeah. more tolerable. Yeah. Short-lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but okay. So I love this bully metaphor, and I still love the bully metaphor. Yeah, and it's like it's really useful. Super useful. And it definitely gets you. And externalizing it yes. explains, you know, explains why something's happening on a behavioral level. Mm-hmm. And. I've been using this for a long time. But, but it, I mean, yeah. And, it, I mean, also, it, yeah, it explains systemically how the anxiety gets to grow and explains how it's doing, like, it, it explains its motivations in a way, too. It's like, because you kind of use the motivation for, like, a bully or a heckler if it wants power. Mm-hmm. By putting it in this power context, it says, it's, it will say and do whatever it can to get more power or say and do whatever it can to get you to give up more of your life. So really, like the framework, the power framework works. It's really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's also but at it's the missing. end of the day. Yeah. It is your brain. It may yes. be a different part of your brain. Yeah. Right. Like it. But it's not an actual heckler or bully. That's actually. It's yeah. You know, got it inside your head. It's your brain. So I yeah. have been thinking about it from like we're kind of setting people up to like be at war with war, themselves. Right? Which, which is like such a common metaphor for for any distress yeah you know like like I think I don't know we were talking at some point about the medical world and how the medical world uses a lot of war metaphors mm-hmm yeah like your body's sick and you but you that they will put it as being you're at war with something mm-hmm. you're at war with your body in some way and and so I feel like that's just not a very compassionate it's sort of anxiety provoking too Please, in its own way right? Right? Like, like threats and d- demands and yes, yeah, I have this war awful and death and killing and I'm fighting with my brain and it's out to get me and yeah. dominate me there's a part of me that hates me yes. that is out to get me and so I still think there is usefulness right like I'm not saying like totally useful throw it out um, but I think maybe adding in this other piece or at least giving a couple of options of ways of looking at it because mm-hmm. um, I don't personally like to think of myself at war with myself right yeah. like that's distressing mm-hmm. if I'm like not doing something well or that is like inviting myself to have a lot of negative self talk uh-huh. like, I mean, how, how do you mean I'm just thinking like historically like like as a teenager maybe like dieting you know like what's wrong with me why can't I like stick to a diet or 
I don't like even like in parenting, right? Like what's wrong with me? Why can't I be calmer in these situations? Why do I have such little patience? Things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I just feel bad about myself, right? Mm-hmm. Then I just feel like, ugh, like I am out of control or I have this like part of me that's like I don't know mean or yeah. right? Like Yeah, and and it's it's mean but you're also like being judgmental and critical yeah. of that part of you and you're angry at that part of you for being mean to exactly. you. Exactly. Right? Which which that's more that's that that is yeah, that's more distress. So occurring. as opposed to even in those kind of situations, right? Like why you wouldn't have a lot of patience or why you'd be hard to stick to a diet or something like that. There is some you can have some empathy for that part of like yes, it might it might feel like, oh I I am out of control or I am whatever, unable to meet these goals, but really into what's wrong with me, I'm bad, but instead it's there's there's some reasons why, right? Like we are not set up to lose weight easily or yeah. why um when our boundaries are crossed we get upset or we feel like we're being taken advantage of, we get upset and have have yeah. annoyance or anger, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are reasons for it. And I think um starting to have some of that empathy for yourself, right? Like can thinking from like a self-compassionate standpoint an understanding and an empathy can can help you actually like move towards your goals more easily as opposed to this like shame shut down stuck place like I'm there's something wrong with me I can't battle my anxiety well or I still give in sometimes yeah, to I, was my supposed anxiety. To, I was supposed to defeat it but I wasn't courageous I, enough yes yeah. I'm, I'm so weak or whatever mm-hmm. um and so I think, like, in that relationship with the anxiety, if I can have some compassion, like, this is a part of me, and there is a reason why my brain is responding this way. Yeah. And it is, we are working toward the same goal of, like, keeping me alive. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. one is more focused on keeping me alive, and one part of my brain is more focused on, like, long-term, I want to have this kind of life. And those things are having a hard time meeting in the middle. And so I think that having an understanding or having some compassion for it, um, you can be more likely to set realistic goals, get back on the horse, kind of move towards what where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Right, like it doesn't feel so hopeless. Yeah, if you can have some some compassion for yourself as to why you're mm-hmm. struggling with these pieces. Yeah, and so it's ha- yeah. Okay, that's 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 compassion for yourself that you have Anxiety. a threat system and mm-hmm. that it's tricky and that it's kicking out weird, weird times. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. And even, like, still it can be externalizing, like, talking to the anxiety and saying, like, hey, I get it. Like, you are seeing there are threats everywhere. Thanks for trying to protect me, but I can handle this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good. I'll show you. Come along for the ride, and I'll show you. Yeah. Like, we can do it together. You can mm-hmm. see. You can still be kind of yelling at me while I do this thing. Um, right? Like, makes it feel sometimes more doable to be able to do the thing. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, like, we're at war, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to defeat you, and, oh, wait, that was hard. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just... So, so yeah, okay. It feels like it gives it more space. I don't know totally. how to describe that in a more psychological yeah. way. <laughs> that, that is, <laughs> that's very yeah. touchy-feely, but that's what yeah. comes up. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you got... 
Hence why it was hard to find a lot of research on this topic. So what's the, um, I'm I'm just thinking again about like the relationship kind of model, right? Um, So we can talk about it. So there's there's these different like frameworks to put on it, which I think it's so helpful to have these. But like you you can have that framework of, um, there's this guy Michael Singer, I, I, I reference his framework a lot where he talks about it as being an inner roommate. So it's, it's a roommate that lives in your head and like he won't go away. He always lives in there and he sits next to you on the couch and will like comment on stuff. And even when he's wrong, he just keeps on commenting about everything. This is like this helpful framework, like, ah, oh, inner roommate's talking again. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a, like, that's kind of a, a, a nice, you know, sort of like exasperated but neutral kind of a, sure. I shouldn't bother listening. I know this guy's wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. Never learns anything. He always jumps to the worst conclude. You know, that, that inner roommate idea. It's mm-hmm. like it's just an. I, I, I think that's a nice metaphor. Then we've got the like dominance submission kind of bully or heckler mm-hmm. like framework where when it so for instance like this you're doing something like next time you're doing something and you notice that you're getting uncomfortable or feeling bad and you realize what you. You know, you externalize enough to realize what you're thinking on what's happening. Like, oh, I'm worrying about this and worrying about that. I'm having thoughts like this and I'm having thoughts like that. You could say, oh, yeah, that's my inner roommate. He's always talking about stuff, never right. I can't get rid of him, but I'm going to go about this thing. Mm-hmm. Or I can get into a conversation with him about that and whatever. Um, you got this next framework of like, oh, talking to me. I know what's happening that's that's the bully that's mm-hmm. the heckler again they're trying to get me to do things that are bad for me they're trying to they're trying to like overpower me I need courage I need to like stand up to them mm-hmm. it's another way of interpreting and putting a frame on it with your one like how are you picturing it it's not it's not a bully or heckler it's not, it's not an annoying roommate like what are you what are you picturing well in this like meditation they did it was um, thinking of it either as like a kid mm-hmm. or think of it like think of your actual like amygdala basically oh, really? like firing off with all these like, 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 like two eyes and like, and like a mouth and no like, it was like having like lots okay. of like um, electronic or electric um, impulses going through it and oh, it's when it's really activated there's lots of those going and you're trying to like talk to it and have it have fewer trying to calm down impulses yes um, I, I think I would lean more towards the, it's an upset child. Yeah. Um, yes. That, that it can't calm itself down. Mm-hmm. So. But, but it's, because I, I think that's it. That's a useful one that comes up sometimes is the, like, the child mm-hmm. part of you who, like. Isn't always rational. Yeah. Isn't always rational. Gets scared really easily. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, that, I think that self-compassion idea mm-hmm. of, like, yeah, of course you're scared, and you know, like you know, you wouldn't get into a power battle with yes. a five-year-old, right? Yes, I mean, I do sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't choose, you wouldn't want to be doing that. <laughs> I wouldn't ask to. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want it like that. That wouldn't be the solution, mm-hmm. you know. And you wouldn't you wouldn't say my five-year-old's bullying me. Yes, 
exactly. Or be like, oh, it's really, it's probably really scared. Or yes, and I think that gives you like more of a sense of control too. It's just like externalizing, but also right, like that you're not necessarily in the yeah. submissive position. Exactly. Yeah. Like with kids, you're actually trying to yeah calm yeah. it down and be the one more in control. But yeah. right, same thing. Like when do kids do freak out? Sometimes you feel a little out of control, but it's not like a it's not like a bully that you're like yeah. afraid for your. You're not being safety. dominated by yes. it. Yeah, it's, it's not going to get like, you. Oh, I'm annoyed and uh-huh. frustrated kind of situation. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know exactly what comes to my mind specifically when I do this, but thinking in that way yeah. is, like, helpful. Yeah, because if, if, it's a, if it's a kid, and honestly, a nice way to think about it, right, because we are born with our, our emotional brain, our threat yes. system fully developed. Yep. We're born without a frontal human brain that makes us do anything, but we are ready to learn to be afraid of things. Mm-hmm. We're ready to be afraid and communicate that. Mm-hmm. So useful like to think of it as being a, a child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then, yeah, because it make, one, it makes sense, and two, it puts you in that perspective of like, well, okay, it's okay this is happening. I understand why this is happening. What can I do to kind of be kind in the situation and help out sure probably wouldn't yell at it and tell it shut up yes right? at least that wouldn't be useful because they'd probably just get more scared or, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay and isn't going to calm it down for sure if yeah. that's what your like ultimate goal is mm-hmm. is to be able to like calm this down this like overactive sympathetic nervous system right you're wanting to like calm it down mm-hmm. yeah screaming at it is not going to be calming so mm-hmm. um yeah and Sorry, I'm like veering off topic, but yeah. or off on a tangent. But I think even like, I, I don't know about you, but I have never worked with a client with anxiety or OCD who we didn't eventually at some point talk about their relationship to it, right? Yeah. Like, it's funny. <clears throat> you're, Kinda. yeah, like introducing the model and then you're doing the nuts and bolts of the work. Mm-hmm. But I feel like then there's often like feelings about it that come up, and so I think that's a big part of like therapy is like how are you relating to yourself in in your OCD or in your anxiety mm-hmm. like what yeah because it can bring up so many feelings of shame especially like in our culture where mental health issues are seen as like a yeah. form of weakness or things like that and so I think like it's a big piece that that comes up yeah and so to, I think it's I always say like the first part of our work is like the nuts and bolts of us doing the stuff that helps to make this more manageable mm-hmm. and then especially as symptoms improve we're talking about like how are you feeling about this because the more that I try to say I can't have anxiety or I can't have this here that's yeah. done now yeah. it's just priming it to come on back right and so if I can start to work on that relationship of like hey tantruming toddler or what have you mm-hmm. you're probably going to show up from time to time but I can I can tolerate you I can there are things that I know that are helpful with you yeah. right it can again make it feel less make you feel less overwhelmed by it um so I think that piece of it's necessary to yeah. talk about necessary it's going to come up mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah it, it will so yeah I I don't know like what research there is on this specifically. Like I said, it was hard to like do a ton. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's yeah. I mean, it's interesting because like 
I feel like there's you, you get it from different areas right? I don't think this is itself this big talks about thing I know that like ACT talks about aspects of this mm-hmm. um, compassion focused therapy talks about uh, aspects of this uh, there's something called metacognitive therapy what? which uh, yeah is the, the framework is yeah don't don't change your thoughts change your relationship mm-hmm. to your thoughts so that definitely informs a whole bunch of this of like you know you know looking at the relationship like oh yeah does this make sense and how does this work rather than being the thoughts and fighting with the thoughts yes. they metacognitive they already have you not fighting with the thoughts at all it's just just relate in a different way don't get caught in that pattern of relationship you have change the relationship sure I don't know ACT has some, some ideas that are similar to that um, yeah and I know Reed Wilson does oh yes he does like the yeah. scoring points again, like the yeah so he like creates game. his games that there's a, this relationship where it's a game so instead of being yeah attacked you're like this, this is fun I'm getting more points I'm doing this cool thing and I really like that one too because mm-hmm. it takes the the threat out of the battle it becomes a fun battle mm-hmm. not a like bully submission dominance battle mm-hmm. yes yeah so research wise yeah I don't know where it's coming from <laughs> like the evolutionary stuff makes a lot of sense from yes. understanding the why um, but I don't know if people have been let's change the relationship as a particular research study or something but sure. I think all these frameworks are really really yeah. useful well, and I think maybe part of what made me interested in this lately is just my own shift in framework around it. Yeah. And so thinking that, like, part of this is probably fit, you know, like what works for some people is not going to be all that useful for other people mm-hmm. because how they and relate to their anxieties is not going to be the same. And probably um, I'm going to suggest a different, at different times and different places mm-hmm. in, in the process, Definitely. you are going to have different relationships, and that's fine. And there are times where you probably really want that courage-based. Sure. One, there's, there's times where it's probably useful to do the annoying roommate thing. I kind of like the annoying roommate because that's, yeah, it's not so threatening, it's annoying. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's my roommate, so I invited this person into my yeah. house in some way. Yep. <laughs> Sit here, they don't shut up. But there is this piece about them that, like, yeah. yeah. But if you get into big arguments with them, then it's just devolves Mm -hmm. so the best thing you can do is like understand that's who they are and kind of ignore them Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the heckler thing but with less um, of a negative vibe yeah Yeah. it's more that they're just kind of like a pessimistic downer totally yeah pessimistic downer who like overestimates things and freaks out too much yeah (laughs) yeah yes well yeah I think yeah what works well for you what like resonates Mm -hmm. well for you but, yeah, but whatever whatever framework instinctively feels most useful, the important part is you're externalizing. Yes. You're saying, yeah. oh, this part of me is hitting me with all these thoughts, hitting me with all these feelings, hitting me with all these motivations, and I know why that is there. Mm-hmm. Like, once you've got that, then you can start to look at the nature of the relationship. Sure. But, you know... Interesting stuff happens sometimes when you start through that externalizing work. I know we're kind of wrapping up, so it's weird to open up a new thing, but it just occurred to me. Um, like when you start to like deliberately externalize and I make my hand motions and people start making the hand motions, um, 
sometimes I'll ask people like when when you were getting those thoughts when that part of you was speaking to you um, what does it sound like oh like what voice does it use yeah and that you know because this is a little bit of the the uh, Paul Gilbert stuff um, sometimes people will tell you oh well it sounds it sounds angry or it sounds scared or it sounds whatever uh, but sometimes people will be like oh yeah it sounds like my mother's voice you know awfully Freudian but I'm like yeah. I was going to say or father or I'm just telling you <laughs> whose who's voices come up <laughs> you know some there's that 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 has become you know that's been picked up somewhere the timber of it is mm-hmm. how they've learned to be afraid that it has a certain voice tone to it mm. and it has a certain um yeah like style of speaking or something that might be a little bit different it's just it's c- kind of curious as you externalize what you see yeah stuff that you wouldn't see if it was really close mm-hmm. you know and it's generally because there's some kind of learning yes I mean that's like right when you talk about that you were born with a fully functional amygdala. Yeah, ready to ready to soak up all the dangers. Mm-hmm. Learn like what to be afraid of. Who is talking to you? Yeah, who point. teaches you what is dangerous and who teaches you what to be afraid of? Yes. Yeah. Don't tell the CBT people that we talked about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, yes. I think. I think we're. I think we're good. Then we're good. Yeah. I'm sure there was I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that I, I was considering talking about that I forgot about. Yeah, same here. Well it'll um, come up next time. But I feel like that's that's the that's the useful stuff. That's what I want people to take away with them, you know? Yeah. Just thinking about yes. these relationships. Well and yeah, I think that it's a it's a framework, but even in and of itself it is a um, useful tool, right? Like often when somebody's in the they're like, What do I say when I'm in the middle of of a big anxiety situation? So like Okay, use the phrase what's anxiety telling you right like that is yeah. like the get to it get totally. externalizing yeah yeah that, that's a good way to get some distance mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and like I, I think too that that uh yeah, what is anxiety telling you and that one step deeper of that of like what is the feared consequence mm-hmm. that anxiety is telling you because mm-hmm. it's if you distress it it's telling you What's it predicting? Yeah. I don't know if it's predicting some negative outcome. Mm-hmm. If you can figure out what that is, then you're already starting to distance. Yeah. You're and, then, and then he starts thinking, yeah, well, I wonder why like, Why is it telling me that's going to happen? What is it trying to do? It's probably trying to protect me. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. I know there are all these things, right? Like, like us? No. Yeah, yeah, right? There's a... Please. Review. Review us. Might a review. There we go. We can uh, subscribe. Subscribe. You can press the um, the number of stars. Oh yeah, rate thing. us. Rating, rating, numerical ratings. All that stuff. Um, and keep sending us all these emails. Yeah, please keep keep emailing. <laughs> Thomas <laughs> at Anxiety Austin. Oh yes, Marianne at Anxiety Austin. Um, yeah. Find, any can, topic ideas? We'd love to hear it. Yeah, more more topics would be great. Um, we. Obviously, like today, open and talking about stuff. So, <laughs> talk this one. Um, yeah, and my my webpage, thomasmithyman.com. I believe I haven't been there in a year, but I'm assuming it's working. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.